Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 30th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. This week we are going to talk about the NHL draft and tanking and what the NHL can do to avoid these situations moving forward. Uh, This is a league issue. It's not a team issue. I do not fault the teams that are taking advantage of the current system. Um, But we do have... Yeah, we do have a few ideas in mind that could curb this tanking mentality and still maintain the integrity of competition. And we will also talk uh, about a radicalized playoff seating idea that we may or may not have talked about in the past. And we'll be taking some uh, listener questions and answering them towards the end. So uh, a lot of a lot of interesting topics this this podcast and. Uh, We'll start off with the NHL draft. We we currently have um, one of the uh, McEichel games tonight. Arizona is going to be hosting Buffalo. Uh, I think a Buffalo loss in regulation all but sews up uh, the Sabres in 30th, which is great for them. That's what they want. Uh, but these teams have altered their rosters and traded away. Both teams have had good goaltending this year, and they intentionally traded it away so they could be worse. Um, Not exactly what the league has in mind, is it? No, but like we said, it's the system. You you play the system, and so the NHL develops a system that um, doesn't reward bailing out on a season. You You just keep doing it. I mean... You know, Pittsburgh have, have done it twice, basically, in regards to Lemieux and, and Crosby. So the system's been around for, for quite some time. They've tried to tinker with uh, odds and ratios and probabilities and, and things along those lines, but something more radical need, needs to be done. They need to come up with an idea that takes the philosophy away from losing all the time. Easier said than done. And we have two different... Uh, viewpoints on how to change it and it's um comes from two uh writers that i respect a whole a whole lot one being travis yost of tsn.ca and the other being uh jonathan willis from sportsnet uh formerly of uh, hockey prospectus and um i want to start with travis's idea because i i i like this one the best and it is extremely radical, and I don't expect every fan to wrap their heads around it and embrace it. But I think long-term, this would be just a terrific way to, to make things interesting and fair, and that is to not have a draft at all. I, <laughs> What's your immediate reaction to that? Uh, a hand clap for coming up with something different, but I struggle with... One of those things where if you if you go to the if you go to the no draft, does that mean there's no entry level contracts? Everyone's a UFA. There's no RFAs. All of those sort of salary structure things that the NHL have put in place to try and keep costs down of players. Does that just mean a flat hard cap? That's it. You just fit your roster in however you want under the cap. Yes, that's my understanding. I, I do like that. Um. It's at times like this where a site like Cat Geek would be awesome. 
this is where it would become really fun. In, in that, as a fan, you get there and it's like everyone's a UFA. You come out of wherever you are and, and you can go to, to any team you'd like. You get there on CapGeek and you just sit there and go, well, how much can we afford to pay, you know, Connor McDavid um, and still and still ice a, a quality team? And I mean, the top end players should want something like this to come into play. Um, it'd be a question of what the mid tier and lower tier players in the league would do because they'd be they'll be the ones that get shafted for money. Performance based, I suppose, or, or betting on young potential. Each team can value it their own way. Yeah, and quite paying, frankly, yeah. for the players, like think about being a young kid, being very good at your craft, and just having no say in kind of the first seven years of your career for the most part, unless you demand a trade and then, then you look like an asshole, like in the fans' eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what no, if Connor think... McDavid gets drafted or the lottery goes to, uh, I don't even know, like Edmonton. <laughs> like You could use Arizona as an example of that. I Look, I'd even get there. the weather's say... nice there. And they got a lot more better young pieces. That's true, but I'd even say Toronto. I mean, you 18 years old, basically the entire the entire hockey media is on your backs from day one. And you know, I don't, I know, I probably wouldn't want to go there. I mean, you can take the egotistical look and say I'm going to be the player that takes them to the promised land, but it's an awful lot of pressure on an 18 year old. But at least you have the freedom to kind of you you get to choose. Am I, how, how much am I valuing the money part? How much am I value, valuing my situation? But they at least have the freedom to play this open market and not end up in a bad situation. I mean, look at... Edmonton's been losing for years. They keep getting top picks. Like, they have nothing to show for it, and these players aren't probably loving life there, but they're stuck there because they were cost-controlled RFAs for a majority of time. And I don't know. I I just wonder if teams could or players could choose where they want to go. I I just think that's better. And and this works because there's a hard cap in place. This isn't like Um, the NFL where you have signing bonuses, non-guaranteed money, and you can um, doctor the cap hits every single year. This is certainly not Major League Baseball where there's just some kind of – you know, really weak luxury tax that the rich teams are more than willing to pay anyways, you have a hard cap. Let's say, for example, next year you have $70 million. Everybody has it. How you allocate yes. it, If you, be smarter yeah. than the other organizations. No, and yeah, look, the, the, the hard cap is what makes this work because you can't load a team up. It comes down once again to as long as they keep the – the rules in place for backdiving contracts, which would be ridiculous if they changed the system and changed that, um, because then you could load up because you can modify cap hits and all those sorts of things. So, it, 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 fundamentally and theoretically, this this could work. This this idea from from Travis, I've I've got no reason to think that it wouldn't work. The the question is, why well, would ain't happening? Work? But I love it. <laughs> okay, so that that was sort of the point I was I was about to get to is. What are the negatives for doing this for the NHL? Why would they choose not to do this? Because they're comfortable with what they have, because they don't want change. And the thing is, though, there's a lot of people, you've got players complaining about fans liking the tank, 
you've got uh, ex-general managers complaining about the tank. You've got some people inside the league complaining about the tank. It's obvious that something probably should be done about it, but this league has shown it's not willing to do anything major in regards to modifying uh, the game and the systems that they've already got in place. Now, what's this second idea? What's this second proposal? Well, I just wanted to cover off a few more things on this one, and then we'll get to Jonathan Willis's uh, article. The natural reaction is, oh, well, the rich teams are just going to spend, spend, spend. And it's like, well, no... You can't year after year have the same team spend, spend, spend because the cap ceiling is the cap ceiling. And guess what? Early on in this, if they were to ever make this change, what if one of these big contracts don't pan out? Everyone gets done shot. Yeah. And that'll have an effect on, uh, that'll artificially lower uh, the vigorous spending on the the UFA uh, rookie class, so to speak. So... I like it. It rewards uh, smart teams that are doing their homework. That is what I want to see. Uh, it gives uh, young players freedom, a little bit of ownership over their career. I, I do like that. And um, just think about that free agency period. How it, like people love July one. I don't know when you would uh, allocate the the time period for the the rookie signings. But boy, would that be interesting uh, is, time period to follow. Is that that's the thing? If they're going to be UFAs, I would leave it to July one. Bang, oh, and that's everyone, fine too. But how... yeah, everyone, everyone on the open market, and there's a isn't there a window now to talk to players before July one? I think that was just a one time thing. Oh, good, because I was going to say none of that should be allowed to happen. It should all just be July one, bang, go. And it means that, like you said, teams that do their, their research and do their work and, and, and all those sorts of things, they get rewarded. Now, now, here's the other thing about it. What do we know about modern NHL hockey as far as um, when players' primes are? It's younger. It's, it's a lot younger than people think. Yeah, it's 22 to 26. So a lot of the big money contracts these days are paying for past performance, whereas this new system, you can you can pay fair value for now performance. That's a philosophical change, though. It is, but I like it. Oh, I, I'm down for it, but I, I couldn't see it, that this would require a whole bunch of general managers changing. This would require a new generation of general managers coming through, which is starting to happen, but you'd need 20 general managers in that frame of mind. And it's that's 15, 20 years away. You and I will be closer to 50 than we are than now before that, that changes. But but here's the other end of it. Like, Good teams are punished in the current system. They can't replenish their young talent, really. Why are they yeah. being punished for being good? Well, I get wanting want... to prop up bad, but this is this is the thing though. The the, what, what, the thought process is that they want every team to have a chance to win, and that's why the system's rigged against being well because you have to pay players for past performance. So then the cap gets tight, and you have to ship guys out. You know, Chicago's a great example of that. They've they've done a very good job of of, of renewing their team to to make them consistently good. But you're right, good teams get punished. 
Like when the Penguins are done with Crosby and Malkin, they have to get lucky again in the draft. How are they going to do that? By being shitty again? Well, maybe when they get rid of Crosby and Malkin, the change might be made because we know the league is obviously in Mario's pocket, so they'll just change the system <laughs> so that Pittsburgh can get it to That might be the only hope. But you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I totally agree. Why, why should a good team that has good success over a period of time, more so like the Kings and the Blackhawks, than Pittsburgh because they've kind of underachieved a little bit. But, like, Kings and Blackhawks have elite-level teams, and the only thing that's going to stop them from continuing that on is the fact that they're never going to get a crack at um, younger players coming out. But we're going to artificially drag them down for, for being good? Yeah. And, look, that's that's the difference. I'm glad you didn't include Boston in, in, in those two well, they teams. Because... they young guys. Studs away. Ignore the trade the young guys away thing, though, and the cultural aspect of why they did that. Their inability to assess um, middle to low range talent and pay them as middle to low range talent is what got them into cap trouble. And that will change with the, this new system. The teams that don't understand value appropriately, don't do their homework with players, don't uh, use the assistance of analytics, will, will get into trouble. But you know what? Everybody has equal fair shot at this thing. And the, the teams that are better at it will get better. The teams that are worse at it will get worse. Um, but that's how it should be. Um, I look, I'm on board with the concept. And I sort of sit there and I try to look at it in regards to why wouldn't the NHL do it? And we've come up with too many reasons for them to... It's hard enough to get them to, to go back to calling the game on the ice the way it should, let alone changing something that's a systemic change to the way the game's run. And, and that's the thing that, that sucks. This, this is a, a really good um, out-of-left-field concept that is just not going to be looked at, and it's disappointing. I mean, they won't even they don't even want to consider putting Cap Geek on their website or a version of it. They don't think that the fans want it. Yet it's one of the most it was one of the most visited sites um, throughout the well throughout every day of the year. So you just get there with it and go. There doesn't seem to be any forethought. It would be really interesting to see what happens when Batman goes in regards to what the next commissioner does because after the centenary year Batman will Batman will go why do you feel that um, I think that's just what he's waiting for I think he'll just do that and he'll walk away from the game and someone else will take it over I don't agree you think he'll just hang yeah I, he's done more good than bad and I know I'm in the minority with that but no I think he's, he has done more good than bad but for this sport to to grow to that, that next level that they want it to. It needs a different thinker. It needs a different look now. Uh -huh. And it'll come, it'll come down to where the Batman wants to go because the owners will keep him. They keep making money. So, I think the players would incur or welcome total unrestricted free agency. Of course they would. Uh, it would be nuts when they get to the new CBA. And the, and, and and the, play, or the teams with a hard cap, it still works because... It's not the Wild West like Major League Baseball. Yeah. And I guess my last point on this, you have a hard cap salary structure. Most teams in this league are mid-tier to bigger spenders, and, and Travis Yost wrote exactly this. 
If there's concerns that a Florida or Arizona may not be able to spend competitively in a hard cap, hard floor league, then perhaps Florida and Arizona shouldn't have a hockey team. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's the, that's the easy argument, and you, you there, there are certainly destinations waiting for teams right now. And if you can't, you know, invest into your product, then I'm sorry. You know, the the thing is though, as far as I can tell, where Arizona are in Phoenix, if they had an arena that was more access, readily accessible, same with Florida, it's like the the location of the venue in those two cities is just as problematic as um, being in those those two cities. It's like you know, Florida can well, Florida could fill the building out when it was dead puck era when they made it to the Cup Finals. If they put a, an arena closer to the, the city and the CBD where they can actually get people to the arena on a Wednesday night and they're successful, because they're coming up to a part now where that's, that roster is starting to look pretty good, it could work there. But your argument and, and Travis's argument in regards to needing to be, if you can't financially survive in a hard cap market and a hard floor market, then, yeah, you don't belong. And, and I just used his, like he wrote, and specified those two cities, and I don't mean to beat up on those two, um, but just the general concept of, well, we can't afford to pay the young guy no dra- no draft UFAs and and spend and be competitive, and it's like, well, we got Seattle, we got Quebec City, we got Kansas City, we got Las Vegas. Um, sorry, <laughs> you know. But if, they, if you're gonna get there, run that argument. For, uh, we're just using those two teams. But if you're going to get there and run that argument, then they shouldn't be there now anyway. Well, I, I don't want to start bashing on the teams. I'm just saying one of the criticisms of this no draft thing is that, well, it's going to force you. You would have to spend to the ceiling because there's no more uh, guaranteed cost certainty of younger players. They're not a slave to being an RFA that has a, a ceiling on what they can make. So you're well, then, eventually going to have to pay. Um, premium dollar for premium talent, which I'm totally fine with. Just stop so paying what? premium dollar for average. Yeah, but you're still hey. gonna have to pay to the cap ceiling to fill out a competitive roster. And he's just saying, if you can't do it, why are we gonna um, amend and create a system to cater to the three or four teams that can't do it, rather than the other 26 that don't have a problem with it. Well, actually, if we're going to look at this, then Ottawa's screwed because their owner is not going to spend to the cap ever unless they change their owner. So they change the owner, you know, that's what I was going to say. It might not necessarily be the city in the market. It might be the owner. And maybe the NHL has some mandates on ownership, new ownership that comes in like, Hey, or they could raise the cap floor. Yeah, like you, you go back to it and you, you look at the. I mean, the next CBA is not due up for another five years, I think, is it? The players would jump. I believe up. more than that. It might be six. Yeah. Anyway, the the players would jump all over. I can't remember. I thought it was only a six year CBA. It might have been ten. I think it's ten. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. So it's probably eight years away. Um, who knows? In eight years' time, it might be possibly thought out because if. We get another couple of, you know, Connor McDavid types that come through in this CBA. Teams are going to tank and, you know, there might be enough of an uproar. But the players would be stupid not to jump all over this sort of concept. 
And you know what? It doesn't really change much from ownership standpoint. The hard cap's the hard cap, so. Correct. Yeah. I think it's a win-win. And I'm in western New York. I, I, I'm i totally, you know, invested in the tank right now. I find it actually one of the more exciting storylines because I view it from the, the team level, not the league level. Yeah. Like, I think Tim Murray and what he's done to, to almost guarantee 30th has been remarkable. Nah, you've been on the you've been on the Murray bandwagon all year. <laughs> um, but when you strip away all of that and, and then focus it back on on the league level, you, you're going to have to change. But the but people that are upset with it need to shift their blame to the league, not the Buffalo Sabers, the Arizona Coyotes, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers. You, don't blame them. They have parameters in place, and they're trying to to best survive within those parameters. Change the yeah. parameters. Uh, well, you know, it was hard enough for the NHL to, to change the, the draft ratio under the theory that you only have a 20% chance if you're 30th. So they sort of thought, oh, that'll stop teams from tanking. They don't. That's, that's the thing. They make changes, but they're minor. They're never it, – It's. I'm, I know I bring this up a lot, but it's too much of an old boys club in management like – all the way up from the teams, you get into the league, there's too many ex-NHL players that don't want to see the game change too much or, or anything along those lines. So unless they start getting some people that think outside the box, then, you know, we're not going to see any of these, these, these sort of, I think this is a great idea, any of these sort of concepts even thought about. So that said, I'm for no draft. The UFAs to the young guys coming out um but we're going to shift focus from travis's idea to uh an article uh jonathan willis wrote and his idea stems from a 2012 sloan sports analytics conference uh the phd candidate adam gold presented um this idea that draft order should be determined by total points recorded after a team is eliminated from the postseason so the idea here is if your team gets eliminated early from uh, postseason play, let's use the Sabres as an example. I think they were eliminated like a month ago. Yep. From that point on, they have the ability to rack up points by winning, and thus whoever has the most points would, would get the top pick. So teams that are fighting for a playoff spot towards the end and are in it towards the end – they're already good teams. They're not going to have a larger sample size to gain those points, if you get what I'm saying. Yep, yep, yep. So what this does is it doesn't guarantee a really crappy team will get the number one pick because you can't tank for it anymore. What it does is it will give them a larger sample size to earn points and try to win, which is what we all want, non-tanking, Um so they'll have a larger sample size left on the calendar to earn the most points, if you get what I'm saying. Yep, that makes perfect sense because you'd obviously want to go ahead and win. Um, and I, I like this suggestion mainly because it's closer to what the NHL currently have in place and would be a smaller change. 
it's a big change, but it's smaller than the one we just proposed. So I, I like the concept. Um, I think to, to make it work a little bit more, they'd have to change. I think they would. They should change to a three-two-one point system. I mean, well, we that, both that think... should be done right now, even if you don't change yeah. the draft system. That that no, no, I, that I, is the most obvious change in the NHL today. But they yeah, don't. It's... They don't. Gary Bettman's like, oh, we're 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 fine with with this. We don't see any need to, and and that's flat out wrong. They need a three-two-one system. That that's a that's a conversation to have uh, away from from this draft. I, I I like the concept. I mean. But that's the thing. If Buffalo got eliminated when they did and continued to play the way they do now... Then they wouldn't get it. Correct. That's exactly right. So the fans would still have to go to the arena and cheer for them to win, not lose. Correct. Uh, And well done, Buffalo, for getting on board. (laughs) Um, That's the... That's probably the, the, the biggest thing for, for me with this idea. So I, I like it because it, it keeps a draft in place. It keeps an NHL event alive in regards to having a draft um, a draft event. But I, I just don't know. I just – because this league's so old school, I couldn't see them even thinking about this is a proposal either. I think it would be brilliant. This proposal is way better than the status quo. Correct. Um, I would be for this one as well. And another interesting part about this scenario, think about the trade deadline. Um, Classically speaking, buyers and sellers. Now, let's say a team is doing so bad that they know they're going to be eliminated from playoff contention like at the trade deadline or or shortly thereafter. Do they go out and actually become buyers knowing that (laughs) – they're going to be out of the playoffs so that they can make like a, a quote-unquote playoff push for the top draft pick? Well, actually, this is a fair argument to make because you may find that there are teams that, you know, there was a complaint that there was going to be a quiet trade period. But, you know, leading up to the trade deadline, it was it was pretty busy. I wonder whether this would reduce activity because team – I, I – I don't know whether Buffalo would make that Myers and, and Kane trade um, because, you know, the idea of that trade was to obviously help them tank. I don't think they make that trade if this new system's in place. So some of those types of trades might... might, but I, I see your point. Yeah. Um, I'd like, I don't, you know, that's not saying let's not do that for that concept, but once again, let's, you know... Um, Trade deadline day is, is one of those big events that the NHL love. So some of these concepts may change, you know, may change that that thought process. I think we all agree that this this lottery is nonsense. It's funny. It worked. Why is it that it, it feels like it used to work? people didn't uh, game the system before like they are now. Does that just mean that... Teams, general well, managers. I guess that's not true. Mario Lemieux was famously tanked for. Yeah. Uh, why is why is it that the, the general public and everyone are, are starting to? Out. Okay, that, that, you reckon that's all it is? Twitter, internet, very much um, a lot of opinions out there. Um, way back when, your only access was uh, your local Maybe. paper or yeah. the hockey news. Sporting news, some something of that nature, um, and it wasn't in real time. 
and you really had to be committed to be on top of the information. Now, you know, you start following the right people, your Twitter feed, it's it's like a glorified living, breathing newspaper with smart analysis, If depending on what your feed looks like. Well, depending on what you consider smart as well. But I just, this is one of those things. Well, you get what I'm try- saying. Yeah, exactly. It's, I was trying to work out why, because it, it's been a big push the, the last couple of years. And obviously now that there's a, you know, the the McGuckle thing, all of a sudden it's become a massive problem because there are teams that are going to be out of the playoffs that obviously didn't tank and are going to go, well, hang on, why have I got such a, a, a limited chance to try and collect this player onto my roster? And, you know, I think it comes down to... Um, I think it comes down to personal needs and wants in regards to the the team's management um, saying tanking's wrong. So, you know, I, I'll give Pittsburgh credit. They haven't actually um, said tanking's wrong here, and if they did, it would be so hypocritical it's not funny. I don't think many have come out and said that, to be honest. Like you said, it's the system that's in place. I just don't know how you could fault a team for for trying their best with the rules yeah, that I, are presented to them. I I just don't get how you could blame it on the team level. I'll never understand that. Yep, but it like you said, it's a, it's a league level decision that needs to change, and I can't see it happening. I mean, it won't happen until the next CBA. If say we we get the the, the option of. Um, the Yoast option, that'll have to be a CBA change. And I would assume that the the second option we discussed, that could be implemented before the next CBA because it doesn't change what happens to the players when they come in. It just changes the way it's calculated who gets that first pick. So I, I think they could implement that change, you know, not this draft, but the one after without a, without a doubt. But any of those... Yost changes, changes the entire structure of the CBA, and, and at least with it being so far away, it would give it a chance to maybe be thought about. So, those are two, I think, ideas that are better than the status quo. Um, I think the Travis Yost idea of no draft is certainly one that people are going to kind of not be ready for but that's the one i i tend to like the most um and uh yeah, i got some the, girls uh out of their bedroom i thought i could, I thought I could hear some, some voices chirping in the background at least it wasn't a bird oh jeez. Um, the thing, the thing that, that another reason why the NHL would say let's not do this is that they lose their draft day, right? And you get there and go, well, not even draft day, but well, yeah, you, you lose draft day, you, you lose the, the lottery, the lottery day selection. So, you know, one way you could replace one of those event days is a really cool idea that I think you've come up with before. But we'll discuss it again. That's the playoff seedings. Uh, yes. Um, right now, I'm not a big fan of this interdivision setup at all. I know no. why they're trying to do it. I, or I get where they're coming from. They want to form rivalries and kind of 
force that, but I don't think rivalries and playoffs are born from being divisional rivals. I think they're formed from past playoff tensions. Um, we all think of uh, Colorado-Detroit, for example. They weren't that divisional was rivals. That was East and West. Vancouver-Chicago. Those those certainly were not interdivision rivals. Um, I'm sure there's a few more that um, I could come up with that I can't off the top of my head right now. But my idea, and I think it would cause tension right out of the gate, higher seed picks their opponent. I think it's brilliant. I think you can make a TV event out of it. Um, since you're not going to have, uh, if it were my way, you wouldn't have a, a draft lottery anymore. You could just supplant that with, or supplement it with the playoff lottery where, I don't know, who's who's the top team right now? Say Montreal. Montreal. Who's Montreal going to play? Montreal now, is on the clock. You get to pick who you're going to play. Do you get to choose from any of the 1-16 to 16 teams, or are we going conference, or how are you breaking this part of it down? Oh, that's... I personally would do away with conference play. Yeah, I would. I would just yep. have even schedules, even travel for everybody. Um, I think it would be interesting to, to have the teams play more games against everybody. I like well, that. If, you remove, if you remove the divisional aspect of it, because I think you play, was it, six or eight games against divisional teams... Because you could reduce that number, and then obviously that goes across to the other. It should, you should almost play every team four times, I think, if it works out properly. To be two away, two at home, and that would cover the. I'll meet it halfway cover. though. Let's let's take let's strip away divisions and and leave the conferences. Just as a baby step kind of thing. <laughs> Good point. And Montreal, who do you, who do you want? Right now, they're going to play Boston. Is that who they want? I don't know. Who would want Maybe they who do. Would want but here's the thing. Say Montreal calls out Boston. <laughs> you know, that's interesting in its own right. Hey, rival from past, we're the number one seed. We think you suck the most is basically what they're saying. Pretty much. How great is that? I think it, I think you're right. I think that works really, really well. I mean, that's the thing. The top three teams in each in each conference, seeing as we're, we're looking at it that way, would get the would get the choice. And then obviously four and five, it just goes on the best record gets the home home ice. Yeah, um, and I would do it in the second round as well. Whoever the higher seed is left gets to choose out of the three other teams who they want to play. Yep. But <coughs> Excuse me. For last year. Um, let's see here. I, I do, I do prefer the one to 16 concept. Yeah. Of, but that's going to take a while gets, to get to. Because you then get seven choice. You then get seven selections out of it. That's mm. probably why I prefer that. But, but let's use last year as an example. Dallas, pretty good team came on. Um, all their underlying numbers, pretty good. 
Anaheim had to to really fight them off to win that series, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colorado um kind of you know, their record didn't match um what they were capable of. The, the terrible possession team, riding high PDO. Um you know, they were the second seed and lost to Minnesota. I think lost. Anaheim think could lost. be like, you know what? I don't care that you got yeah. that record. We want you. We think that we're not buying what you're selling. So bring it no, up. No, I think everybody said that about Colorado last year. That's a perfect example of of a seed changing who they would normally line up against. I think that's a really good, really good point. And if we fast forward to this year, um, if I can pull it up quick. I know the matchups are still moving. What if... Okay, so Anaheim is um, the favorite for the President's Trophy right now? Yep. What if Los Angeles sneaks in and they... The Ducks' reward for the President's Trophy is the freaking LA Kings? Anaheim will take anyone but LA. Basically, they would they would choose anyone else. So what's the reward for them for being the best team in the NHL? There isn't one. And actually, if, if you get there and have a look at it, obviously, like you know, I'm a Pittsburgh fan. Pittsburgh would pick anyone in the Western Conference above anyone in the Eastern Conference. Their record against the West is ridiculously good, which is why I like that concept of one to sixteen rather than conference to conference. And then you also get into some really awesome Stanley Cup final potential. You could have the big... um, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Montreal, Boston, uh, Chicago, Detroit. Well, I guess you can have that one right now, but you get what I'm saying. Chicago, L.A. Edmonton, Louis, Calgary, LA. if it ever came to it. Yeah, that's the thing. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't stiff you down to having those particular games in the – the conference finals rather than the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, it would be great if it could do that. So, oh, I don't know. It, once again, it, it's a concept that I, I think is really, really good. It's a concept that's too too left field, too out of the box for the NHL to consider doing. Um, they're going to stick with this divisional format for as long as they can until they work out that it doesn't really doesn't really favour the teams that succeed. One through eight they're trying better to than this. The one through eight that they did for so long that that was better than this. I've got no problems with them having the division set up so that you play the division a lot to try and force a rivalry that way. Yeah. But it should be one to eight, not you know not top three, top three, and two wild cards. I think taking the wild card idea from the other sports is is silly. I think it would be really forward thinking of the NHL. To jump into a, a different, a totally different playoff system than what the other three leagues replicate. Um, be, you know, be this different. Is... Pull in the casual fan. Are you telling me if they're the first league to have the top seed get to pick their opponent that people aren't going to tune in and be like, "Wow, all right, who are they going to pick?" And and fans can ha- discuss on message boards. Oh, I think they're going to pick this team because of this. No, man, I don't think they match up that well. Like, it builds conversation. It builds interest. The other problem is you get there and if the traditional go, oh, it's too much of a gimmick. Well, what the hell is the shootout? What the hell is the 
You know what I mean? That, that's the thing. There's already enough gimmicks in all of these four major sports in regards to trying to create interest. This one's a legitimate one. This one is, well, you actually have to analyze the teams and go, what are the strengths of, of the number one ranked team? This isn't a gimmick. This is, we earn this spot. We're scouting our opponent. This is what we want. I don't think it's gimmicky at all. But it's out, it, it's gimmicky because it's outside the box. It's something totally different uh, to the other three mates. I agree, outside do. the box. But outside the box doesn't mean gimmicky. Well, I I agree. I think it's a great idea because who's the the ducks are currently first. Would the ducks? This is the thing. Would the ducks get there and want to take? If I was the ducks, I'd almost want to take Montreal. Oh, you're if going you to go, the sixteen. If you go to the 16-team list, now Montreal at the moment, I think, the, the best-ranked team in the East. Now, the reason for wanting to take Montreal is the argument that you made last week <clears throat> is that Carey Price only has to slip 2 or 3%, and that Montreal team is toast. Yeah, you're, you would hedge your bet on Carey Price not consmiting uh, you. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have my money on the fact that Carey Price would consmite you. but I would choose Calgary if they made it. Yeah, that, and, and that makes sense. But you get there and go, there are definite reasons for actually going into conference play early in the selection rather than sticking to your own conference. I mean, if the theory being the Western Conference is so much better than the East, um, you could well see eight East v. West in the first round. All right, so let's... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And there'd be nothing wrong with that. I mean, the owners will say the flights, the, the cost of doing this is prohibitive, but they can just go suck a dick for that as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they put the price up so much for playoff tickets, they could just that's just bullshit. Uh, okay, hypothetically speaking, coming off that rant. Um, all right, Sorry. You're, you're, <laughs> you're Anaheim, okay? Yep. Who are you picking if it's not um, 1 through 16? Stay in conference. Same conference. Um, I I would pick. Let's say Calgary is not in. L.A. is in. Uh, I'd pick Vancouver. Okay, I was hoping you would take a little longer with that. It would approve my point. How interesting it could be. Like just no, trying okay, to so guess who they would pick, and then you have oh, that okay, television so... event where you're like on pins and needles. If you were a Ducks fan, all right, who are they pick in. Oh, man, I thought they were going to go this way, but they went that way. This is the thing. You, you set it up like the draft. What's the time frame from when the draft pick is picked to when the next draft pick? Is it a five-minute gap between each pick when they do the when they do the selections, or is it three? Either way, 15. you've got the teams on a – it's 15 minutes. So you've got the teams on a clock, 15. So 15 minutes for eight selections. Basically, Someone you have eight – yeah, like you said, eight selections. So it's two – that's two hours' worth of TV. Because the team makes the selection, you've got the broadcast can get there and go over what the matchups are. You can spend seven minutes on what's just been selected, and then you can spend seven minutes on what you think the next team is going to select and why, and you just roll your way through the process that way. You can't tell me that Sportsnet wouldn't love to have an event like that. You can't tell me the NHL Network wouldn't want to, wouldn't love to have an event like that. NBC could do that. Like You think about the build-up that would bring to a, national, uh, a nationwide audience I think it's a great concept. And more I, I, importantly, tell me a fan that would not enjoy that. Oh, hell yeah. It, it would be fantastic. And you want to cater to fans when you're an entertainment awesome. product, yes? 
yeah, they're the ones that they're the ones that basically generate the money. I mean, the more fans you get to watch, the more advertising the TV gets to sell. Uh, same with the clubs; they get to put ticket prices up because of high demand. Um, it, it works for everyone. I, I think it's a really, really good concept. I think it would be really fun. I mean, technically, you and I should do this when the playoffs get decided in two weeks. You know what? We will. All right. Mark it down. But just think Shit. the animosity. Of, yeah, I know. Of the number one seed, and you think you're a good team. Like, all right, we're sitting here, and they just blindside you. We pick you, man. We're calling you out. Okay, so, so let's. Uh, and then let's, that rallies the lower seeded locker room. Like, they think we're shit, man. They think we're shit. Let's prove them wrong. Yeah, I, you're not going to. And you don't think that's that. going to rev things up on the ice? Actually, you know what? This will be fun in two weeks because it will be interesting to see what you and I come up with individually. Because we'll do them separately and then we'll, we'll we'll put them into the into the podcast. It'll be really interesting to see what we think and why. And we'll pull. I guess the way we could do it, we could uh, have uh, sixteen teams in in a hat, and I just pull some out, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, and based on the records. Um, which ones we get to pick. All right, that's fine. We'll work that out. We'll figure it out some way or another. Yeah. So that's that. Though we got, I guess, I guess we're pretty progressive this evening with, with our philosophies. <laughs> um, so those are the draft uh, ideas, and and that's the the playoff seating one that um, I'm I'm just a huge fan of. And I should say the first time I have heard of top seeds picking their team was actually from. Uh, Mike Shope of WGR 550 in, in Buffalo, and I think that was like two years ago. So I, I do want to credit him for getting that seed planted in my brain. Um, so thank you to him. Uh, I, I think it's a great idea. So I think it works really, really well. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. All right. So are we ready for listener questions? Yeah, why not? All right. Fiddy. 14. Since Brandon Sutter stinks, who are the league's top five, top five third-line centers? And, of course, uh, he's referencing, I, I, analytically speaking, not, not in love with Brandon Sutter as the third-line center and a cup contender. He wants to know what some alternatives are. And um, instead of doing a top five third-line centers, I'm just going to name off some guys that I found uh, just cruising through some NHL rosters that do a better job. Uh, a lot of this was based on the ownthepuck.com the, own uh, from Dominic uh, Gallimini, his uh, hero charts. Yep. Andrew Cogliano, Carl Soderberg, uh, Antoine Vermette, Mark Latestu, John Mitchell, Darren Helm, Lars Eller, Mike Santorelli, Franz Nielsen. Dominic Moore, Sean Couturier, Kyle Chichura, Nick Spalling, Patrick Bergling, Eric Fair, Matthew Perot. How about that? You know, it's funny. There Only three of those players make more than Sutter. Patrick Berglund at $3.7 million, Lars Eller at $3.5 million, Antoine Vermette at $3.75 million, Sutter's at $3.3 million. So it's funny there. You've got Nick Spalling, who's currently on the Penguins roster, and you've got Mark Letestu, who, when he was on the Penguins roster was played out of position and one of the reasons why he, for want of a better way to put it, got hounded out of town by the Penguins fans. So it, it's 
it, it comes down, though, as well to what you actually want out of your third-line center. Uh, basically, what I want, and here's the deal. I don't really look at the um, forward depth as having roles anymore. I don't think a third line has to be a shutdown uh, a, a shutdown line. I don't think the fourth line needs to be some crap energy line that just oh, we goes around that. Yeah, and yeah, hits. Yeah. Here's what yeah. each line has to do. Outscore the opponent on a regular basis. Whether it's marginally or significantly, just outplay, outscore the opponent. And, and a lot of that has to do with how a coach allocates the matchups. If you get what I'm saying, but the third line doesn't have to be the shutdown line that plays against the the other team's top opponents. There's nothing keeping Mike Johnston of the Penguins from putting Sidney Crosby against the other team's best players if they can Chicago. routinely play well and outscore that line. As long as each line is not getting owned, things will work out. You get what I'm saying? It's just uh, a matter uh, of trying to figure out how to make that happen. But the way to make that happen is to find the 12 best forwards, not to sign guys for specific, you know, niche roles. I think that's, that's something that is way in the past. I, I, I'm, well, I don't like that. That's, I, I agree. I agree with your assessment, but until you get more analytical based assessments by, um, management teams you're not going to get that thought process there are still like i said before there are still too many old heads that aren't willing to think outside the box in regards to how they, they construct their teams um you can use edmonton probably as a really good example everyone sort of likes to have a a crack at, at, at tyler dello in regards to the way the oilers haven't got any better but he can give the advice the general manager has to act on it and the funny thing That's is they did get better this year. Their goaltending was 30th. And then they eventually sold off in an effort to chase the McDavid thing. But they did. They were better than last year by three to four percentage points on the possession front. But you know what? What's the one thing that can totally ruin possession? Yeah, well, talk to Montreal. Uh, talk to Minnesota. In regards to yeah. reversing that altogether. He went from so. a coach that was going to be fired because somehow his system was wrong to a coach that looks great right now. What changed, I wonder? So So one of the things you do one of the things you do highlight though in regards to players either performing well or performing above expectation or performing below expectation is player usage, like you, you said. And you are going to have players with certain skill sets that fit them into particular roles a little better. So how do you go about making sure, <clears throat> excuse me, that you end up with four lines that can maintain the puck when you're going to have players that can't do particular things against particular lines? Well, the cap's going to limit you in your ability. So that's always going to be an issue for every team, but... Don't go out and just say, okay, our fourth line, we're just going to kind of mail it in and, and we'll just have an energy line. You, you know that what I'm talking about with that. Unskilled yep. guys run around, throw the body around, 
they don't play much, so they don't have a huge negative impact. But if you did play them a lot, that it would be a disastrous. Just do your best to find the best available talent at the best price points so you can avoid um, major liabilities. That's the best you can do in a hard cap situation. Assemble the best talent available, and hopefully you hired a good coach that can allocate that talent up and down the lineup and find the the proper line matching, uh, you know, line combos for your own team, and then take it to the next level of, of line matching against the other team. But don't sign bad players. There's no... There's no need to give Tanner Glass a three-year contract. I mean, that that just shouldn't happen. Well, you can, yeah. I suppose you can make the same case for Dave Bowl. There's arguments in every team and almost every roster, except for those that are good every year and are competing for the playoffs because they've managed their cap well by not wasting cap space on um, possession black holes, I suppose, is, is one way to look at it. So once again, though, I think it comes down to what, teams value and it's obvious that teams still value that shutdown center role so yeah i don't i didn't necessarily uh highlight who my top five third line centers were but i i, I gave about a group of 15 to 20 that are better I was gonna than say, it's, it's, so that's basically only leaving a third of the league with well less than a third of the league with less with worse, uh, no, worse. not necessarily worse. I looked at some like Jared Stoll that are on even par with him. What's Stoll make? Do you know off the top of your head? Similar to, to Sutter, I believe. And they're in cap trouble as well. Stoll is, yeah, they're almost identical. 3.25 for Stoll, 3.3 for Sutter. But there were guys I left off because I thought they were even or even or worse is what I left off. And I still came up with 15 to 20. And only yep. three being more expensive. So. That makes sense. Any other questions? Yeah, we got a few. Um, oh, good, because I got absolutely none when I asked. Right. <laughs> okay, Western New York Hockey Prospects, and this is actually a buddy of mine that I used to play uh, youth baseball with. So uh, he actually has a good website if you are in Western New York like I am. It's WNYHockeyProspects.com, and he actually does a wonderful job of uh, promoting our youth talent on the side of the state in both Buffalo and Rochester, Um, kind of people that sign with colleges, people that are going to junior teams and uh, following up with that kind of stuff. So his question, of course, being Connor McDavid related, over under on Connor McDavid scoring 80 points next season, no matter which team he lands on. You'd have to take the over, wouldn't you? I think 80 points is a perfect over under, I must say. Because here's the deal Sid, Sid Crosby is sitting on 79 right now, he's the best in hockey. We only have oh, seven or eight games left. You make a you make a good point. The actual ability for anyone to score at a point a point per game pace is 
very, very hot at the moment. It's not indicative of the players. It's indicative of the environment. I'm going to go under just because the league does not reward skilled players at the present moment. No. Now, if it was 2005-06 when Sid came into the league and put up 100-something, yeah. I'd say yeah, over, definitely. But that's not the climate right now. I think McDavid's talent speaks to a guy that we all consider 100-point caliber, but 100 points isn't a realistic thing right now, no. which is too bad. But it's not yeah. – uh, oh, man, how that sucks, man really does yeah and it's not yeah goaltenders are better and the equipment's bigger and stuff like that but it's not that's not why the scoring's down it's not opportunities to actually get to rebounds and and find open space and attack the blue line with speed it's all getting nullified so unless and it's one of those things the nhl has to make that choice you've got to an offensive phenom about to come into the league, you've got to make a choice. Do you want that phenom to, to succeed and bring excitement to the new the new terrible team he's about to go to? You have to reconsider how you're calling the game on the ice. They have to anyways. It's a joke. No, look, you and I are both on the same page on this, but it, once again, it comes down to um, all you hear about now is getting ready for playoff-style hockey, meaning getting ready for no penalties to get called, get ready to have to fight your way through being tackled. And it's like the only reason that some of these games end up being exciting is because of what's on the line, not because of what actually happens on the ice. We've beat this horse, though. Yep, so we'll move on. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, let's see. Jay Douglas, 2392. Is Latang the new pronger? And what I think he means by this, do we really have to start wondering what's in uh, Mr. Latang's best interest health-wise moving forward? Um, it's a legitimate question when you think about it. You could make the same case for Sid, but his was vertebrae-related, not concussion-related in the end. So, Yeah, but you're talking Latang, a stroke... Uh, I think at least four uh, documented concussions, and even more so, he has migraine problems um, independent from hockey. Well, it's the it's the issue he's got is that you can tell he loves the sport, so it's it's a brilliant question when you think about it, but it's one that really only. Let, Tang can answer because everything you've just listed then would make most of us go, well, maybe I should change my profession. Yeah, but here's here's no, the reality. Speaking to what you just said, huge competitor. We know this because he is one of the biggest workout freaks in the entire league. Yeah. Loves his craft, loves working towards it. And most, let's see. He signed a contract last year, $58 million contract, right? Yeah, he's walking away from a lot he's of He's walking well. away from freaking $51 million. Yeah. Um, yes, we can all say, well, don't you care about your uh, long-term health and yada, yada, yada? Of course he does. You don't think that weighs on his mind in a time like this? 
$51 million is a real thing, and so is his love to play a game that he loves. When you combine the money and the love for the sport, it's not easy to walk away from. I think we can all sympathize, empathize with that. That question probably lays out better for a guy like Christian Erhoff. And I, I say that because, one, he's getting paid a truckload of money not to play hockey anymore for Buffalo. Two, he's just had a young child at the start of the season. Three, this is his second concussion issue with Pittsburgh, even though they're not declaring it as one. Um, and he's had a couple more earlier in his career. So it's like, what is he, 31? He's got enough, He's made enough money in regards to what Buffalo are paying him on that contract that he could walk away and not have to worry about it. Because they'll just, they can just long-term injury clause in what they have with, with Pronger and just have him not play, and he gets his money. In fact, doesn't he get his money from his buyout, whether he's an active player or not? The insurance? Uh, I think so. Yeah, so that's... money that's... for a reason. Yeah, so you get there with the. I don't know if like, the Penguins would actually have to pay that out or insurance, but I, I don't think he would be. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't be walking away from the the fifty. Yeah, it's the it's it's the. Well, no, no, Erhoff would be able to walk away because Buffalo would still have to pay, wouldn't they? I was talking more Latang. I guess yeah, I don't know and how that works. So Latang Latang has the issue of that that money that's sitting there. He hasn't actually taken to the bank yet, whereas. That that would be yeah I know what one you're of those, with Erhoff. Yeah, um, one of those considering factors. Worst for case scenario, you can L long term injury reserve an injured guy, like uh, they do with Pronger. Yeah, and that's that's where this question all sort of rolls. But I don't think you would have to because Pronger was a 35 over. I think if somebody had to retire due to to serious health concerns, I don't know how that works. Would he be out the money? I, I that's I don't I don't know. That's you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting discussion because I mean, who was that? Was it a San Francisco 49er that just pulled the pin and said, "I'm not doing this anymore"? Uh, yeah, a young 24 year old. But yeah, the NFL is not a very good comparison because they don't have guaranteed money. No, I, I well I the signing bonuses that. are, but um, or they have guaranteed money, but. It's not their totality of their contracts is not guaranteed. No, that's it's right. It's usually at best like half guaranteed. So once they pay the guaranteed money out, they'll drop you like a bad habit if they don't like whatever. Yeah. Um, you don't perform. I don't like that setup personally, but no, it is what they sign in the CBA. So. But yeah, you can certainly make an argument given the um, incredible health things that have happened to Chris Letang that maybe the time is now to start thinking long term. Um, Do I think that's going to happen right now? No, I don't. But um, I think the dialogue could start. Uh, Okay, so say the unthinkable happens and Pittsburgh actually win the Stanley Cup this year. Because he would be a major, major part of, of oh, that they are cooked without him. No, 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 I know, but that's the thing. He comes back. He he helps win it. Um, 
would that play into his consideration no, of because if he came back yeah. then he doesn't have the consideration of quitting it's not coming back for the hoping they win it all this year so he can retire he's coming back because he's ready to come back yeah i don't know they're not in it's a good spot to go all the way oh i wasn't suggesting they do i, I said miracle um yeah okay it's just I I don't know I don't know what to do. Whilst we know so much more about concussion and and the ill effects of it, there's still so much unknown and still so much stigma against it in regards to not doing something about it, and that sort of sucks. And before we move on from this topic, totally unnecessary hit. You you I'll, want to get I'll into put... the legality of it? Fine. It was a second late, whatever, not suspended. I get all that. At the end of the day, that hit does not have to happen. And I think the league needs to shift from how they look at hitting. If the hit does not have the purpose of acquiring the puck then what's the point? We know the the drawbacks of all these serious concussion injuries, brain injury, all this stuff. The players are bigger, faster, stronger. The equipment's much harder. Why why are we still in love with this finishing the check mentality, um, given the drawbacks of it? Chris Letang, that puck was in the neutral zone. If Chain Doan was hitting for puck possession, that hit doesn't happen. The puck was gone. That puck was so other- that pu- that that hit was for the sole purpose of inflicting bodily harm. And if hockey wants to survive just- better than the NFL's going to, the mentality needs to change from inflicting bodily harm as the sole intent of a, a of a check to acquiring the actual puck is the purpose of why you you physically engage somebody. And I think if you make that distinction, you can avoid these hits where Chris Letang has a serious concussion again. Do you not so, do you agree with that? I, look, I, I do. There's, a, there's one argument against that, and that is um, the big open ice clean body check where... Does the guy have the puck? Well... You're separating him from the puck, just, yes. It's, okay, all right. And this is why I wanted to ask the question. Like, where do you get there and you define that line? Because... Your sole purpose with those checks isn't just to get the puck. It is to physically intimidate and obviously to to try and and hurt the the opposition. I mean, I've got no problems with that. Like I, I have. If you bury that a guy problem. that has the puck clean and he gets hurt, I'm that's I'm I accept that. That I don't think that was the case with the Latang Doan thing. I think that's an avoidable hit moving forward. Well, it's one of those ones where you'll hear in, in the suspension videos, this player was in a vulnerable position and, and should have reasonably been ready to, you know, he he should have expected to be hit. Now, if the puck is so far away from Latang after he's made that pass, do you consider it late? Like, people get there and do say, oh, you know, it was within the perceived time of acceptance, but it's like, if Latang was in a vulnerable position, doesn't that put that hit up for consideration? Because, like you said, there was no there was no need for the hit in regards to it being a hockey player. 
And that's what I just want to focus on moving forward. I get it. When I was I was fortunate to be coached by uh, local AHL Amherst players here in Rochester, and much of our forechecks were 2-1-2. First guy, crush that defenseman. Second guy, get the puck. Third guy, high. And I think most people my age, early 30s, that was the mentality of playing hockey. That first guy just pounds the defenseman. Who cares? Make him be scared to go back and get the puck. But that was then before we knew all the bad things about concussion, CTE. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I think yeah. that's a dated approach. And, and I'm guilty of hits like Shane Doan. I, I've made plenty of those. But it was in kind of a different climate and environment. No, nobody knew yes. any different. But, not, so but now that, we do. So yeah. Okay. So so now we do know all of those things. So the people that need to drive this change are the people that are on the TV, are the people that are talking about the game, the people that get to. Well, no. The the I I know where you're going with it, but I the people that are in charge of the officiating are who actually control it. But fan perception, and I'll let you continue on your point, is is where I think you're going with this. Yeah, they're not going. They're not going to change it, and unless there's a big outcry from the fans. I mean, it was one of those things where when we came back from the lockout, it was, and they had the the rule changes. It was because you know there was a reluctant acceptance that there was the dead puck era, and we needed to do something to open the game up to allow the stars to do well, and. One of the biggest cries from a lot of the people in the media, who I might add, are the players that the slowing down of the game benefit. Oh, it's it's too ticky touchy that you can't do anything to slow a player down anymore. And it's like, yeah, well, the only reason you want to do this is because you can't do the things that the superstars can do. There's so much there's there's so there's so much self interest in regards to some of these opinions of the ex players that are on TV. A lot of them are grinders. Correct. And you get there and go, there is a place for grinders, but you still have to be able to play with the puck and you still have to be able, as a league for a product, allow your superstars to do superstar things. And I don't mean set the game up so that it's non-contact. I just mean allow them to do well. And these people, like, you get there and go, oh, I don't think it was that bad out of here or it was unfortunate. Um that he got hit in the head. It's like, no, it's not unfortunate he got hit in the head. It's poor hitting technique. You have to punish these players in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a suspension, whether it's a two-minute penalty for a player like that, to, to stop them from doing those things. Otherwise, you're going to have star players out injured because they're the ones that get targeted by those hits. That's the other problem you've got, is that it's not the scrubs that get hit in that situation, it's the players that are good with the puck. Correct. No argument. But like you said, it comes down to the it comes down to the actual officials in control of the sport and they've shown no appetite over the last three years and particularly this year to make sure that the the rules are enforced. Okay. Ready for our last one? Go for it. Another McDavid related from uh, Smitty0717. 
Could a trade from pick one to two in the draft be a possibility? If so, which team would be most likely involved? Basically, would somebody trade out of the Connor McDavid pick um, with the uh, team that's second overall, obviously with significant additions there? Um, I say no. I say no way. I, I can't see it happening because the team that is going to trade up wouldn't have assets to add to the trade to warrant someone going down to get McCarkle. Like, in, in theory, if Edmonton got the number one pick, they should be trading down to get a defenseman um, in regards to the way their roster is constructed. But they won't. And nor should they. Um, I mean, the hockey news just had that that Sidney Crosby for Connor McDavid thing, and and I'm on the side that I would not trade McDavid for Crosby. Um, I would I would trust McDavid's potential here, cost controlled. We, I mean, we spoke a lot about being cost controlled earlier with their whole draft yeah. thing, but but right now that is the reality. Having a player of that caliber on an ELC is just a gold mine. Yep. Well, Pittsburgh won with Malkin on the on his ELC and Latang on his ELC, so you need to have you, you need to have high quality skill cheap, and, and Crosby's on the downhill. Slide. Ignore the statistical downhill slide in the regards that he is not in the age of being at his ceiling. Correct. Downhill slide is. uh, um, I know you don't mean it as negative as it sounded there. He's going to be elite for many years to come. It's just not going to be at his personal ceiling because that's what happens when you get in your late twenties, early thirties. He's still going to be remarkable. It's just not going to be where. It was for him. Correct. So, um, and that's that's fine. It's just that's, that's the thing. You get there and go. No, I'll take I'll I'll, I'll take McDavid. It'd be interesting. I don't know. I I just no, don't well, see. Um... Sure, surely not. Like you get there and go. Buffalo gets the number one pick. And let's have a think about it. Phil Kessel, uh, Phil Kessel, Toronto get the number two pick and want to trade up. And they go, we'll give you Phil Kessel as well. Would you do that? I mean, you, you, no, you get there no, and go, he's what? The same, the same reason um, with the Crosby thing, Kessel's at, at the point where the regression is starting. So that's you get there and you go, they're just – there's cap room on these bad teams to take on a good player, but the players that they would have to give to make to warrant dropping down to the second pick or third or fourth or fifth, they're not going to be good at the time they need them to be good. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the Evander Kane trade works out really well because he's still going to be good as McDavid comes through and they build that roster up. So... The window works. It's why I just, I just can't see. I, I can't. It's one of those things where you get there and look at the Eric Lindros, Eric Lindros trade. That that could happen then because you could give 
parts up to to make that happen. But yeah, I it's just I can't see it happening. I, I I wouldn't do it. I, I just I, I don't think that's that's a knock on Jack Eichel. It's just I don't know, not feasible. So no, you, I mean you think about it. You're trading away Sidney Crosby, or you're trading away Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, I I some people are like, well, McDavid hasn't proven anything at the NHL, and it's like. Yes, you have me on a technicality there, but are we really going to ignore past track records of elite junior players that are putting up ridiculous numbers that every scout agrees on as being a generational talent? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean you, you just... I, here's the thing. I have seen him, and it was only once, but I've seen him in person. That guy is electric. His first three strides, he is gone. His hands are amazing. And what makes a special player is the ability to be explosive and maintain those sick hands at full speed. And he he does that. And his IQ and vision are top-notch as well, as well as his compete level, yada, yada, yada. I can keep going on. He had four points by the end of the second period um, when I saw him. He was great, and that was and that was in November. So, <laughs> was that before? Or, uh, that was before he broke his hand, wasn't it? Was it was before he broke his hand. But he could have had more points. He had guys that didn't finish. Well, that's the he's going to have to get used to that in the NHL. True, but all I'm saying is, guys, legit. Guy deserves all his accolades. Um. Will he hit a? Will he hit the ceiling of a Sidney Crosby? Gosh, that's um, that's an unknown right now because Sid Sid's terrific. He's the generational player. Um, he's the best grinder in NHL history and combines it with elite talent. So I just sound so wrong, but you're correct. <laughs> no, he is. You're gonna win a battle with him in the corner. Not no, only is right. he going to come out with a puck, he's going to make a finesse play with it and distribute it into small windows. And that's his bulldog mentality is what makes him the best, in my opinion, um, when you combine it with his incredible IQ and his puck skills and the fact he has two forehands. And what I mean by that... Yeah, his backhand is as good as his forehand. Oh, yeah. So... But that concludes our uh, question and answer, which I suppose it concludes our podcast for this week. It does indeed. So, hope you enjoyed our uh, ultra-progressive ideas for the NHL. (laughs) Um, But even if you disagree with them, I hope we raised some points that made you think about some of the things, why you want it to stay status quo, maybe? I don't know. But... um, I think it's a great discussion point and uh, interesting topics. They are indeed. It was good to do today, actually, because you can't do anything in the playoffs right now. It's, it's too jumbled. 
yeah we'll when, when that gets settled we will we will hold our hockey draft for the the top <laughs> seeds i'm excited to do that oh, i have to actually it's gonna be good fun so um i guess that'll do it uh for this week i'm uh ryan wilson 